welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 28th of June 2015, entitled, A Cost Plus Offer from God, and the Bible reading is taken from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Gospel of Mark chapter 10 is a familiar passage of Scripture. You know, I don't know your hearts this morning, but God does. And I do know one thing specifically that through this week and many of the challenges that have come, praying and seeking God earnestly, what he would have us to speak on today, this is without doubt the message that he gave to us. And I trust that for you today, that God will use it to speak to your heart. I'd like to, to first of all, just read the scripture beginning in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. I invite you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word, beginning in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. He answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, Sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they have that have riches enter? into thy kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. They were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake in the Gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many 
that are first shall be last, and the last first. Father, Lord, if we are privileged to have your word before us and to be able to read it this day, so Father, as we take these next moments together, looking into your word, we realize, Lord, Lord, that it's not the natural man that understandeth the spiritual things that you give to us. Father, we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would speak, and by the power of your spirit, you would give us understanding. Help us today, Lord. Help us to hear and know and understand. Lord, help us to be willing today to truly do whatever it is that you would speak to our hearts. We know that just as you looked upon this one here and loved him, that you look upon each one here today and love them. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. There are many things that we could take from this passage this morning, but our main emphasis is going to rest around this thought. You notice the passage that is on the screen before you says, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, Jesus said, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time and in the world to come, eternal life. Now, many people have read that. Many people have heard that. Many people can maybe even quote those verses by heart. But few of us live like we believe it. <laughs> Today, as we think on this passage, I want us to think on the simple thought, a cost plus offer from God. A cost plus offer from God. Preacher, what are you talking about, a cost plus offer? Well, I can remember that many times before entering into the ministry and when I was working in sales, you've always got to come up with new ideas some way to be able to get those customers because without the customers, nothing happens. And one of the kind of sales that we used to run sometimes was a cost plus sale. We made a cost plus offer to those customers. And we would advertise something like, if you will come in and buy a new car from us, then we will sell you that at our cost plus $50, 50 pounds, whatever that you want to put above that. We will sell it to you at exactly our cost plus this amount. During World War II, even right here in Birmingham, the city that we are in today, of course, there were many, many industries that changed the total face of what they did and how they did it because of the war efforts that were on. And the government offered many contracts, and those contracts were offered on a cost plus basis. In other words, you produce this aircraft for us, and you produce it, and whatever your cost is, we will pay you this much above that cost. Well, it cut out all the bickering and haggling back and forth. It made it the fair for everybody, for those that were on both ends of that contract. Everybody knew exactly where they stood. Well, I'm saying that God has offered you a contract that is sure that any of those contracts that man might have made, any of those offers that man might make to this world, and he's offered you a cost plus life. He's saying, yes, it will cost you some things 
to be a Christian, to live a Christian life in this ungodly world. But his cost plus life guarantees you that if you're willing to follow him, if you're willing to forget about all those earthly possessions and put him first, he promises you that you cannot lose out. He promises you that he will give you here a hundredfold in this life and eternal life to follow. Even though, yeah, that hundredfold, it says here, may come with some persecutions. It may not be easy in this life because we still live in a sinful world. As we think on these things today, I want you to notice just four important factors about this cost plus offer that God has made not only to this man that we're reading about here today, but that God has made to you. He is offering you a cost plus life if you will accept it. Recognize that this account began with a very, very simple and earnest question. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. Here comes one. He comes running up to Jesus. He kneels down before Jesus, and he asks him a question. He says, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? That's what all of this offer comes from, was one with a sincere heart wanting to know, how can I inherit? How can I have eternal life? And of course, We'll look on this later, but Jesus asked him a very simple question. Why, why do you call me good? Notice that he called Jesus good master, a good teacher. But Jesus, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Jesus was identifying himself as who he was to this man before that he continues on. Now, I want you to notice that first of all, in any cost plus offer, there are certain demands that have to be met. And when we look at this offer that Jesus Christ himself is offering to us here, I want you to notice the demands that procure this offer for you personally, individually. You see, it doesn't matter if the offer is out there in general. It doesn't matter how many people hear about this offer, whether it be for a new car, a new aircraft to be built, or eternal life unless you procure it personally for you, doesn't really matter what it's doing for somebody else. You see, what are the demands that will procure, secure this offer for you today? This young man had obviously been very successful in his adventures in this life, in his business ventures and the things that that he had done. It said there in verse 22 that, He had great possessions. He had a lot of things in this life. But he was given some specific demands, requirements, that if he were going to have access to procure this eternal life for himself. First of all, the first thing that Jesus demanded and told him that it was going to require was sacrifice. Many people are afraid of that word. Jesus told him he was going to take some sacrifice. What did he say to them there? He said, go thy way and sell 
whatsoever you have. I mean, he first of all, he told me, I've, I've done all these good things. I've, I've followed God's word. I've, I've kept all God's commandments. But notice that when Jesus, in verse 21, says, when he beheld him, he loved him. He loved him. Now, this one hadn't given Jesus a place in his life. But when Jesus saw him, Jesus loved him, the Bible says. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way and sell whatsoever thou hast. You see, it was going to take sacrifice. It meant that in order to follow Jesus, it meant that he had to be willing to let go of some earthly things that he had, his earthly possessions. Sell what you've got. But not only sacrifice to be involved, to procure this plus offer that God made to him, it was also going to require service. He was going to have to let go of some things for himself, but then he goes on to say, and give to the poor. In other words, you're going to have to get your eyes off of you. You're going to have to let of all those things that you value so much in this life, you're going to have to be willing to give to others. You're going to have to be willing to give to those that don't have. Be willing to give up your treasures and get focused upon giving rather than getting. We've looked at this idea much in recent weeks. We naturally, we just naturally get focused upon getting what it's doing for me and what I'm getting out of this. And God tries to get our focus because he loved this man. This man, God, is the greatest example of giving that has ever, ever existed and ever will exist. And he's trying to get this one to understand. Look, I'm going to offer you. I'm going to offer you something more than you could even imagine that anybody else could ever have. This guy, Lord, how can I inherit eternal life? going to tell you how you can have the greatest treasure in all the world. First of all, let go of those earthly things. Rather than focusing upon what you can get for yourself, what you can give. Sacrifice, service, surrender. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Most of us don't like surrendering, giving up, or giving in to anybody. But he says, come, take up the cross, and follow me. Quit going your own direction and doing your own thing. Look, right now, you're wanting to inherit eternal life. You're wanting something that's out of this world. But your focus is upon the things that you have down here. Your focus is upon the things that you possess in this life. How can I? How can I have the most, you know, men has always been searched for that eternal fountain of youth, that which will let him live forever, that which will allow him not to experience his demise in this life. This man had all these world possessions, great possessions, the Bible said, and yet when he comes to Jesus, he says, Lord, how can I inherit eternal life? I've done all these good things. I've, I've, I've followed all these commandments that have been given to me, these, all these religious steps. I've kept your commandments from my youth up. But Jesus said to him, yeah, you've done all those things, but there's one thing that you lack.
There's one thing that you lack. Of course, that one thing that he lacked is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, let go of all those things that mean so much to you down here. Get focused upon what you can give and do for others rather than upon what you can get for yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Follow me. Surrender to me. Go where I lead you. Go where I take you. Follow me. Don't worry about finding your own path, doing your own thing. That is naturally what your flesh is going to want to do. We all struggle with that. And if you don't think that you do, you must open your eyes. We all struggle with it. But Jesus tells this very successful man in the world's eyes, you want this cost plus offer that I'm going to make to you? You want the greatest reward of all, eternal life? Then there are some demands that must be met in order for you to procure that for yourself. You've got to be willing to sacrifice what you have in this world. You've got to be willing to serve others, and you've got to be willing to surrender your all to me and follow me and no one else. But not only do we see here the demands that will procure this offer for us individually, but we also see the dangers that would prevent us from having that offer in our lives. What does it say there in the next verse, in verse 22? And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved where he had great possessions. In other words, here, Jesus just offers him the greatest, greatest offer of his life. You want eternal life? You want to live forever in eternity? I'll tell you, this is what you must do to have that. But instead of getting excited about this wonderful, fantastic offer of eternal life, he goes away sad and grieved. You see, there were some real dangers that were facing this young man. First of all, why was it? Well, I think that first of all, the first danger was the way that he saw Jesus. Did you notice what he called Jesus up there in verse 17? Good master. He saw Jesus as a good master. He saw him as a great teacher. Many people today see Jesus as a good figure, a good man, a good example, a great teacher. But Jesus tried to open his eyes there. Why are you calling me good? There's only one that's good. That's God. Do you recognize me as God? <laughs> Do you realize that I'm not just a good teacher? The only reason that I'm good is because that I'm God. You see, one of the great dangers that prevent is people seeing Jesus with the wrong eyes, with the wrong view. Not seeing Jesus in the right way. Not seeing him for who he is. Many today will accept him as a figure in history. And the good things that he's done and the good things that he's taught. But they don't see him as the God of the universe. A danger that was preventing this man was the way that he saw Jesus. But not only that, the way that he saw life. He saw this as something that he could do. I haven't, what did he say? You know, thou knowest the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, defraud not, honor you, mother, father. I, Lord, I've done all these things. He saw his life 
of something that he could do, that he could live a good life, that he could follow all these religious rules and somehow it would all be okay. But he was very, very mistaken. This offer was not something that he could earn for himself. For by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. It's free. Jesus said, look, if you'll just let go of all those things that you've worked for, if you'll get your attention outward instead of inward, if you'll let go, surrender, and follow me, that was those simple words that Jesus often said, even in calling his disciples, follow me, follow me. We've got to follow Jesus Christ if we want to procure this offer for ourselves. But the danger is that us not seeing Jesus, we might see him in all kinds of ways and we might see him as this great religious figure and we might know all these verses and do all these things, but do we really see him as our God, as the Lord of our lives? The way we saw Jesus, the way that he saw life, something that he could live good, that he could do these things himself, that, you know, somehow that he could earn what he was asking Jesus for, the way he saw Jesus, the way he saw life, the way that he saw his worldly possessions. He went away sad and grieved. Why? Because he had great possessions, because he felt like that he was having to give up too much in this life. He saw those possessions in all the wrong light. I heard about a man that was an expert in diamonds. I mean, he just absolutely knew everything about diamonds inside and out. And he was on a plane and he was flying somewhere and he happened to be seated next to this lady. And she had one of the largest diamonds he'd ever seen in his life on her finger. I mean, this thing was huge. Finally, he couldn't contain himself any longer. And he introduced himself to the lady that was sitting beside him. He said, I, I, I couldn't help but notice that beautiful diamond that you've got on your finger there. Well, you know, I, I, I'm an expert in precious stones and whatnot. Could, could you please tell me about that stone that you're wearing there? She looked at him and she said, well, that's the famous Klopman diamond. He looked at her. She said, it's one of the largest in all the world. She paused for a moment. But she said, there's a strange curse that comes with this diamond. Man, really, really was totally flabbergasted. He couldn't figure out what in the world is she talking about. And he finally asked her, says, what, what curse? She held her breath for a moment. She said, it's Mr. Klopman. <laughs> Mr. Klopman. You see, that diamond came with some certain demands upon her life. That diamond came with a possession. The reason that she had that diamond on was because Mr. Klopman had given it to her she belonged to him. You see, the true curse of any kind of valuable possession is when it has the capacity to steal our hearts and souls. <laughs> Obviously, he had stolen her heart. She belonged to him. This rich ruler that we're reading about here, he is one of those unique characters in the Bible that God uses to show us some things, but he had a completely wrong view 
of those possessions that he had. And he was so unwilling to part with his earthly wealth that he was willing to sell his soul to keep his possessions. He obviously wanted to be saved because he came and, and asked Jesus that question, but not at the expense of losing his earthly possessions. One of the things that impresses me most about this is that, you know, Jesus already knew this man's heart. <laughs> Jesus already knew that he would reject him for the possessions of this world, and yet when he looked on him, he loved him. <laughs> he loved him. We talked about that last week, a father's greatest attribute, love. We saw the greatest example of fatherly love given from God the Father. And of course, here's God present in the person of Jesus Christ. And even on this one that he knows is going to reject him and turn him away and not love him in return, he loves him. And he makes him the offer of a lifetime, the offer for all of eternity. You see, why did he reject it? Because of the way he saw Jesus, even when he was standing before him. Because of the way that he saw his life, what he could accomplish with it and the way that he could do it. Because of the way that he saw his possessions that he had in this world. You see, he knew the demands to procure the greatest offer of all. And yet he fell for these dangers that prevented him from doing it. I want you to notice one other thing here. You see in verse 29, it says, And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now, in this time houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. God has a plan. A divine plan, a design. But as we look here, we may ask ourselves here, we see the demands that will procure this offer for us and the dangers that would prevent us from having it. What is the drive that propels us, the motivation that obviously this one lost because of what was motivating him in this life? Do you notice what Jesus says? For my sake and the sake of the gospels, that one that is willing to sacrifice and give the things up in this world, not just to be a martyr, not to show somebody else what a great person that he is, but when he does it for my sake and for the sake of the gospel. You see, not everybody that professes to follow Jesus do so for his sake. Too many follow for the loaves and the fishes. They follow for what they can get rather than what they can give. They follow for what it will do for them. You say, preacher, but Jesus said, Jesus said, for my sake and the sake of the gospels, if you give all these things up for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you see, this all comes back to the heart motive. That's where the drive is going to come from, is from within, not from without, not from all that he could do. We do it because we love him so much. 
We do it because of what's at stake for him. He's the one. For that person that you want to see come to Christ, he's the one that gave his life for them. He's the one that gave his life for you. The motivation that should drive us as Christians to follow Jesus. Do we do it all for his sake? For the gospel's sake. There is nothing else. There is no other message. There is nothing else that you can give to anyone that includes an offer like this. The offer of eternal life. Only the gospel. Only Jesus Christ. All the religions of the world won't do it. Whatever religion that any of us belong to, it won't do it. Jesus Christ is the only one. That's the motivation. Jesus Christ and him alone. And if we do, you see, we see the demands that procure this great offer, yes, of eternal life for us. We see the dangers that would prevent us from having it. We see the drive that should propel us forward. What are the dividends that are promised to us? Well, he tells us. He tells us that we can give all these things up, and he goes through quite a list here when we give them up for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. He says you'll receive a hundredfold now in this time, and he goes right back through that list. Too many people, too many people get involved in of what they can get religion. They name it, they claim it, they demand it of God. When in actual fact, the way to get God's best, the way to procure his offer, the way to procure this offer that has its rewards now in this life as well as in life everlasting is when we let go of everything down here. When we get our eyes on giving rather than getting and are willing to follow Jesus Christ wherever he goes. We've got to be willing to go with him, to follow him. And we find that it's so, so very easy for our vision to get sidetracked. I'm saying that this is a cost plus offer from God. There is absolutely no doubt today that just as Jesus looked upon this one and loved him, Jesus loves you. The same offer is there for you today. If you're willing to let go, because you see, as long as there's anything in this life that means more to you than Jesus Christ, you can't have Jesus. It's funny how we can say we love him so much. We can say that he has such a place in our hearts. We can talk about all the sacrifice that he made for us. And yet seemingly everything else in life is more important than he is in our lives. There's a cost plus offer here. God has offered to you that you might become a Christian. But then in becoming a Christian, because you notice this last part, in the first part, it was a lost man that was a successful worldly man that came asking how he could have eternal life. But you notice in the second part, it was his disciples that came with the question. It was disciples that came wanting to know Lord, if it's so hard, if it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man, if it's so hard for people to truly, genuinely let go of the things of this world, how can anybody ever be saved? 
Because with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With man, it would never be. Man would never let go of those things to accept of this offer. And of course, we find that then he began to, in verse 28, then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. But Lord, we have made the sacrifice. We have been willing to follow you. You see, his answers here, then Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, here, first of all, he was talking to a lost man. Now he's talking to his followers. He says, you, you that have been willing to follow me, I promise you, I promise you, it's going to cost you some things in this life. I realize that. But I'm going to say to you, there is no man, he saith, we either believe this or we don't, that has left anything behind, whether it's his house or his family, whether it's his lands, whatever it is that he has, if he's left it for Jesus' sake and for the sake of the gospel, that follower of Jesus, that believer shall have in this life a hundredfold and a steal. He's going to have that eternal life in the life to come, just like he told that lost man. You see, our lives, we just choose to live our own lives too much of the time making our own way, doing our own thing, rather than just giving it up to him, letting him take our lives, letting him lead our lives. We, we go through so much and we face so much. And you know, the sad thing is so many times you think we'd learn. We get so, you ever, you ever get frustrated sometimes when, especially you that are parents, maybe you've tried to teach your child. You said, but, but look. Look, when you did that, look what happened. <laughs> when I did that, look what happened. Don't make the same mistake that I made. <laughs> we get so frustrated sometimes because they just don't seem to learn from their mistakes. Look at their example that they have before them. <laughs> Most of us are the same way. Why can't we learn from those mistakes? Why can't we grasp and understand if we could ever truly, genuinely do everything that we do for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. If we're willing to give up everything that we've got for his sake, that one more person could be one to the kingdom. If we could really believe him. You know, we might go down there and we might, might buy that new car from that, that dealer because he's promised us. He's promised us that if we do this, he'll do that. And that's a good deal. We might procure that contract for that business that is a good deal for us. But what about the offer that Jesus has made to you today? What about the offer that he's made to you? How can you have eternal life? Well, by being willing to let go of everything else, turn to him. Trust him. Admit Admit that you're a failure. I, you know, I, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't. No, admit. You're a sinner. You've made mistakes. you failed. And Jesus Christ is the only way that there's any hope, any prayer for you ever being forgiven for those things. But he's promised to forgive you. If you'll humble yourself and trust him and seek him, you will find him. He's there for you today.
This man went away sad and grieved because he wasn't willing to accept that offer. He wanted to hang on to the things of the world rather than to follow Jesus Christ. Folks, you have that same offer today. You have the exact same offer. Will you see Jesus for who he really is? Will you accept him as your Lord and Savior, not as just some great teacher somewhere? Will you see life the way that it really is? It's not what you can do, and it's not what you don't do. It's Jesus Christ. It's him. It's a free gift. Salvation is a gift from him. Today, will you accept his offer? His offer that he's made to you? You see, that offer is there for each and every one of us today. See your worldly possessions for what they are. They're temporal. I don't care how many of them you've got. You can't take them with you. We talked about that. We laughed about that a bit in recent weeks. People try all kind of ways to be able to take them with them, but it just doesn't happen. Procure the contract, the offer that gives you life eternal, life beyond this life. Procure the contract, the offer to you as a Christian, even if you are a follower and a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Quit making your own way. Quit fighting the battle yourself. Quit doing it and feeling sorry and doing all these things. Just do what he shows his disciples here. Look, trust me. Trust me. Yes, there's going to be some persecutions. There's going to be, but you won't give up anything. For my sake, or for the sake of the gospel, for what I won't give you back a hundredfold now, and life eternal forever and ever. Father, Lord, we know in this simple passage that this is a passage where Jesus is speaking and teaching to both the lost and to the saved. Lord, to this lost man that came and, and Jesus made him this offer, the offer of a lifetime, the, li the, the offer of eternal life. Lord, he went away sad and grieved because he wasn't willing to let go of the things of this world. And Father, his disciples came and said, okay, Lord, we, we've given up things and we've decided to follow you. What about us? Jesus said, you won't give up anything in this life what I won't take care of you. What I will repay you a hundredfold now, even in all the midst of all those persecutions, but for all of eternity. What you're building up won't pass away with the things of this world, but they're last for eternity in heaven. Lord, as we're here this morning, you know each one, and Lord, you know when you burden us with these simple thoughts for today, you knew who would be here. There may be someone in our midst today that maybe they've heard about Jesus. Maybe they've read about Jesus. Maybe someone's told them about Jesus. Maybe they've been face-to-face -face with Jesus through the Word before them. But Lord, they've never truly seen Jesus for who he genuinely is, God incarnate in the flesh. That he is the way, the only way that they have to receive eternal life. Father, I pray that you would speak to those hearts today, that you would help them to see and realize that, Lord, you're offering them this same offer today, their offer of eternal life. If they would just simply be willing to sacrifice, to serve, to surrender, 
Lord, we pray that today that there's a struggle within, Lord. We know that the enemy would desire to keep them from doing that, but we pray that you would help them, Lord, to have the courage, the faith, to be overcomers. And Father, for all of your children here this morning that have already made that choice in life, to let go of the world and to follow you. Sometimes it seems that the road gets so hard, it seems like it's costing so much to be a Christian. Lord, I pray that you would help them today. Help them just as you instructed your disciples here to realize, to understand, Lord, the promise that you've made to them. Lord, the rewards for giving their life to you are beyond measure, are beyond this world. You will take care of them in this world. You've promised that, but in the world to come as well. So help them today. Lord, if they've been trusting in themselves and other things more than you, help them today. Help them not to leave here sad and grieved like this one did. Whether their need is for salvation or whether the need is just for a closer walk with you, Lord, you do that. That each one, Lord, each one can leave here today knowing knowing that they've accepted the greatest offer ever made to mankind, that whatever the cost, it's not too much. Because, Lord, your promise is sure. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 